Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I am your host, Wanda Howard, and my co-host, Ebri Howard. And today we get to go over the amazing things that we went um, last week. We had Sharon Costanzo on the podcast with us. She is a, an amazing coach when it comes to marriage and hard conversations. And she had a lot of really helpful insights of just navigating hard conversations and what that looks like inside of a marriage. So if that's something that you were interested in, go back to last week's episode. It was amazing. Um, Today, what we're going to be talking about is this idea of um, what uh, some of the triggers inside of hard conversations or how to know if a a conversation is going negatively with your child. Because this is one thing that I see parents constantly getting hung up on and myself included at the beginning, I often labeled a conversation that didn't go well as that was, that was a total just mistake. Everything went wrong when actually some really key and vital things happened for a relationship to thrive. But because I was backing out of the conversation because I thought it was going sideways, I was backing out too soon and then the magic didn't happen. So learn from my mistakes. Here we go. We're going to talk all about conversations and how to recognize if they are going sideways with your kids and how to tell when the conversation needs to end, how to embrace it when it's super hard. And yeah, we'll go from there. So Emery, first off, is there anything that comes to mind right away when I mention hard conversations? Uh, what do you mean by hard conversations? Mm-hmm. So hard conversation for each person is going to look different. Um, a hard conversation might be talking about a difference in opinion when it comes to their favorite sports team or their interests and in the, the, just their hobbies or the food they eat or their difference in political views. Their difference, um, differences can be hard when we have a very strong and opinionated way of saying something and someone we love might see it differently or we hope that other people don't see it differently um, because we want to share in that celebration or that personal interest with someone. Um, Another thing that can be hard uh, is when someone we love is acting in a way that is something that we either view as inappropriate or that we view as disrespectful, that we see and we feel like it is a, it was just not okay as far as our emotions and our feelings were concerned. So we feel, we feel violated and we want to be able to express that to someone we care about. And we're not sure how to go about doing that. Have you ever felt that way? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So those are two, when we have a difference of opinion, when we feel violated, another hard conversation could be like when you're trying 
to get to a, a, a result when you are working on a problem together. Maybe it's a puzzle. Maybe it's a um, way that you're going to schedule out your day. Maybe it's simply a, a science project that you're working on with your kid. There's so many different projects that we have that we need to be able to work together and come to a solution. And sometimes just trying to figure out how to come to that solution can be frustrating, especially on those days and nights where you're working on the science project last minute and it's at the end of the day and everybody's emotions are frazzled and you just want to get to bed. Um, That can be one. Hard conversations can pop up all the time all around us. And they're just times where it's hard to express our side, to listen to the other side, and be able to navigate a conversation with somebody that we care about in a respectful way, in a way that we want to show up and we're feeling like we're not showing up the way that we wish we would. So does that answer your question? Uh, Yeah, but it sounded like you were uh, saying that uh, you you thought that one of our conversations was was useless. Uh, so I don't remember any time that was hard like that or anything. Uh, but you might be referring to something. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um. So when here's some examples of what were some things happening in conversations that I felt like weren't working. Uh, when Emery was able to finally start talking and verbalizing her side, for the most part, we were pretty spoiled. It really wasn't until our second one came along, Ebony, that we really started to get some pushback. Emery, when we would ask her to do things, for the most part, she'd always say yes. But then more and more, she started questioning, why do I need to do that? And what's, uh, what's going on? And I don't want to. And um, just not even voicing anything, but just kind of ignoring us. For the most part, Emery, her personality, giving her a straight answer, explaining the situation to her, she was willing to just get up and do it as a little kid. And we didn't really have too many uh, frustrations there. But our second one, she was very, very strong-willed as far as I don't want to sit and talk about it. I don't want to hear all the reasons why I don't feel like doing it. I'm just going to go do my thing. And that was pretty frustrating because I felt like uh, she, I felt disrespected. I felt like she didn't truly value my work and my effort as a mom. I wanted to connect with her better, but I didn't feel like there was going to be a way to connect because she wouldn't talk to me like Emery had. And so those, that was kind of the situation. But as you have grown too, um, there's been a lot of hard conversations pop up of how do I address this with my sibling or um, just feeling frustrated of, you want something done a certain way and one of your siblings wants something done a different way and you guys start arguing and then what like whoever comes to me they want me to fix it in their favor right 
And that starts turning into a hard conversation because I have to try and navigate the situation that I'm not favoring one child over the other and I'm making sure everything's diplomatic and making sure each person understands thought processes and, you know, it's just a little bit trickier than just, hi, how are you? Hey, let's go for a walk. And, oh, this tree's cool. And, oh, do you like cats? Yeah, I do too. You know, there's uh-huh. there's a lot more mental power and just thought process going into some conversations. And that's what I mean by hard. Um, the ones that feel a little bit more tricky to navigate and the ones that don't necessarily get the results that we want them to get, we we feel like, okay, I explained this really well to my child. I was very respectful. I was calm. And still, the next thing we know, they are not obeying or they are not doing the thing that we hoped they would do, or they're still frustrated and our patience is gone. And we no longer want to sit there and explain it all over again. Okay. Okay. So some of the conversations that would happen was especially between my husband and I was around parenting. Like, how do we parent our kids? How do we raise them? How do we discipline them? And our different views on what, like, when should we teach them about sex? And when should we um, teach them about their bodies? And what should we do when this kind of a situation (laughs) happens? And um, just how much information do we get them at what ages? And all all the parenting questions, right? And some of the things that I've learned as far as if a conversation has gone sour or not is some amazing things as far as it go- it applies to every person. That's what I'm trying to say is these things are amazing because it's not dependent on this type of personality or this kind of dialect. This is just a human trait that we all inherently carry. And if we can learn to pay attention to it, then every conversation we go into, every hard one that makes us feel frustrated, we can start to really make a difference, really get to some solutions and really find a connection and build our relationship stronger. So here's the first one. The first one to be able to recognize if the conversation is going sour is if the other person is showing that they don't want the conversation. If they don't want to, like they're not, they're not willing to talk with you about it. And this kind of seems like an obvious one, but here's what I mean. If you are trying to correct your child or help them out in some kind of a a learning process, but they are just stonewalling you. They are not wanting to express anything. They're not willing to take in any kind of information. Then that is a conversation that has gone sour. And what I mean by that is you don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to beat your kid up for not wanting to listen. There's plenty of times as people that we just don't feel like listening or we're just not up to it emotionally. And it's perfectly okay to just tell your child that they can go into a safe place on their own, into a timeout for them to be able to start thinking through processes and start navigating something or even giving them a project to do. Um, Some of my kids start 
their cognitive abilities start kicking in a lot faster if they are able to go into their room and start coloring or if they're able to go outside and just walk around. And that's one thing that is super helpful for me that I have learned is when one of my kids has their arm folded and is just being stubborn and has their head turned away from me and is not making eye contact and not really listening this isn't a sign of disrespect this is simply a sign of their overload and that this conversation right now at this point is not being beneficial to either of you so the good news is as a parent you don't have to waste your time and energy trying to get it to be and the good news for them as a kid is they get to feel validated and understood in a small way as a child of it's okay that you're overwhelmed. Go do your thing. Here's what I want you to do. In 10 minutes, we'll reconvene and we'll try this again or in an hour or whatever works for you guys. Um, So that's one thing is noticing that no eye contact and no uh, like verbal communication and anything like that. Those are not signs of disrespect. Those are simply signs that the child is tapped out. And now also to remember that those signs in of themselves are not necessarily a sign that the conversation has gone sour. It's only when you can feel their resistance. You can feel that tense, I am not willing to even talk to you right now, that it's not doing any good. Another thing, so my son... Um, he is, he doesn't really make eye contact ever. He doesn't want to really look you in the eyes. His eyes are all over the place when we're talking. He gets very distracted very easily. And, um, he's usually not the one to be like fold his arm and be stubborn about not talking, but he very willingly lets his mind wander when I'm trying to talk to him and just being able to recognize that that is okay if he is all over the place, that it's okay for me not to have to get this point across. That if he's already in a place where his mind's onto something else, he's probably emotionally okay. It'll come up another time. We can try again. And that that I don't have to try and create a hard conversation. It's okay for that to come and go. And it's okay to recognize, look, his mind is so busy somewhere else that I don't need to go into this. Now, there are those times where I need him to understand something. There's there's a time crunch. There's something happening. And it is also okay to make sure that, like, they at least get the information. But that doesn't mean that they have to look you in the eyes. Before, I remember feeling like, okay, you have to look me in the eyes. You have to show me that you're connecting. But what a great tool that I love utilizing with him is when I am trying to get something across and I don't feel like he's listening, I will just ask him, did you hear what I said? And if he says yes, and I'm like, okay, tell it back to me. And if he heard what I said, he'll, he'll say it right back. And he didn't make eye contact. He didn't look like he was listening at all. And he'll repeat it right away. But other times he'll be like, um, no, actually, I don't know what you said. Can you tell me again? And I'll tell him again. Um, and here's a side note too. This was something that was super important to me uh, when I first became a mom was this idea that 
my children listen first time. And this, this came from a long line in my own family of just this kind of pride behind this idea of you tell your kids what to do and they respect you. If they respect you, they listen right away and they do what you ask. Now, with my family, uh, it kind of got tied into a religious side of things as well, where if, like, it's more, it's better to respect your parents, and you're supposed to honor your parents, and God wants us to do that. So if your parents are saying it's best to be, uh, like, first-time obeyers, then that means that that's, like, the way that God wants you to be as well. That was kind of the idea growing up was that this is what God expected. Now, I wanted to throw this in there for those of you who deeply want to model after a Christ-like manner and want to be able to influence Christ-like attributes is over and over and over again, I have experienced the mercy and the patience of God in my life where he has told me something and prompted me to do something and I have not done it the first time and I have not gone uh put any effort into it and it wasn't because I disrespected him it wasn't because I didn't like that idea sometimes I just plum forgot other times it was because I was nervous other times it was because I wasn't sure if I understood it right and every single occasion on all of them Whenever I would go back and ask again, he was willing to give me the same answer. He was willing to tell me again. And it's not about this uh, egotistical idea that, nope, I told you once and you didn't listen. So you are now a failure or this punishment kind of feeling. It was very, it's always very much our Heavenly Father is perfectly willing to tell us again. And there's so many scriptures about this of, um, how much God doesn't, he doesn't care if we, if he's told us a thousand times, he's willing to tell us a thousand and one more. So that's, that's one thing that was super helpful for me to realize that it is okay. If your kid doesn't hear you right away, it could be frustrating. Definitely. It's frustrating at times when you're ready to get on to the next thing, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent and it doesn't mean your child's bad it's just as part of life as humans that sometimes we don't listen first time. So there's my little tangent on that. Um, What's egotistical? Um, basically, a think your ideas and your ways is so superior that you should um, that everybody should do it your way, like exactly how you want it to be done uh-huh yeah that makes sense um and okay so the next thing that this is this is the most common thing that i see people think that is a conversation has gone sour and isn't going the way that they want and that's when you're having a conversation with your child and they are yelling or throwing a tantrum or telling you that you don't love me anymore or that this isn't fair. Like all of those hard things that kids might say of just their anger 
their sadness, their very vocal frustration towards you. These are are hard as a parent. But one of the most exciting and helpful things as a mom that I've come to realize is these conversations does not mean I have failed and does not have anything to do with me for the most part. The fact that my child is willing to tell me that something I've done hurt them or that something I've done was um, frustrating to them or they don't get it, it is not a sign that they disrespect me. The fact that they are coming to me about it is huge. We want to raise our kids to be people who go to the source when there's a problem. We want our kids to be people that when there is gossip or an issue or something going on at work, that they go to the person and they actually tell them about the issue. We don't want them to go to somebody else and talk about them behind their back and talk to their friends about, oh, this person's so terrible and what do we do? Like, we want our kids to actually take initiative and take control of the situation and go to the source, to the person that is causing their grief. And kids are already really good at doing this. It comes so innately to them. And we oftentimes, because we think that they're, they're blunt questions or their pointed frustration towards us is a sign that they don't, they're not grateful. They don't get it. They're being disrespectful. And none of that is true. They are actually modeling the very behavior that we hope for. They're coming to the source. They're not talking bad about us behind our backs to other people. And they're not trying to blame us. There's simply a lot of learning and a lot of things going on for them that our behavior didn't make sense. And I think that's one of the coolest things to that can start turning our conversations around is when we realize that when our kids are frustrated at us, one, they trusted us enough to come. Two, they had the confidence to come to the person that they respect the most. If they can continue that pattern they will continue to go and talk to the people in their lives and their work with their friends that they value the most and be willing to have the confidence to stand up for themselves and have those hard conversations. But also three, the fact that they are coming to us means that they want to work it out with us. They want to understand us. And that's something that's so valuable that each and every single human on this planet could possibly need is just there. there's this openness. There's this desire and longing inside each one of us to be able to share how we're feeling without the other person taking it on as a personal attack. And when we can learn as parents to hold that space for our kids, when we can learn that when our kid is frustrated and yelling at us that that is that's what they're feeling that's what they're going through that's their side of it they just spoke to us the words that we most need to understand about them not about us so if they're yelling at you you never let me go and have any fun they are feeling in that moment that fun has been deprived from their world and it's all about how fun and exciting things and missing out and how it's hard and it hurts to miss out on things that you're excited about. And you can relate to that. If you can learn to 
get out of the way of feeling like those those conversations and those comments are pointed at you. It really is just trying to understand the dynamics that they're in. So with that example, something that you might be able to do is simply ask them, is that true? Like you never get to go on anything fun and let them see what they come up with. And if they're like, yeah, heck yes, I I never get to do anything fun. And maybe pull some ideas. What about for your last birthday? What about this last weekend? Do you remember when we did this? And and instead of calling them out as if they're wrong, as if they're terrible people for not remembering all the things that you've done, walk them through some of their ideas, some of the things that might be, and just see, like get super curious about why do they feel like fun never happens? Why Why do they feel like this is so detrimental right now? And as you get curious, you might find out that the reason this is so detrimental to them is maybe there is somebody in their life saying they're not going to be their friend anymore if they don't show up to this party or whatever it is they're hoping to go to. And if that's the case, then how awesome it is that you just provided a situation where you got to learn that about your child. So it takes practice. It is hard. I get that. But that is one thing to realize that when your child is yelling at you and they're willing to talk when they're willing to, it's not the ideal situation for a conversation, but when they're willing to yell, when they're willing to say how they're feeling, when they're willing to yell out their frustrations and pains towards you, that is not a sign of disrespect. That is a sign that they are trusting you with some of the hardest feelings inside of them that they are trying to make sense of too. So any questions there, Emery? That was kind of a long tangent and I get really passionate about this. (laughs) So any thoughts? No, I think you about covered it. Sorry, I'm a little tired, but... Yeah, it's late. We need to get to bed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you all for joining us and we hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful day and we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to WandaHoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.